0: Hello and welcome back to another episode of Control-Alt-Delete. This episode is all about online voting. I woke up in the middle of the night the other day and I just thought I need to do a whole episode on whether or not we will be able to vote online in the future. It's something that I feel really passionately about. And I believe there are more pros than cons to the conversation, but I wanted to get an expert on to talk to me about this because I am no expert. So I will introduce the guest in just a moment, but just a little bit more about why I wanted to do this episode. So other countries are already experimenting with online voting. We do everything on our phones. And so why not vote? Why not add that to the list of things that we do every single day as part of our basic lifestyles on our phones? It's kind of easier to retreat into just what we already know, but I get quite excited about challenging new things, asking the questions, and just really trying to learn everything there is to know about why something isn't happening. And and if we want to change it, how do we change it? So in this episode, I interview Arik Chowdhury, who was born and brought up in Manchester, He studied economics and political science at the University of Birmingham, and he's been researching the relationship between the internet and politics for years. He's still young, he's still in his 20s, but he moved to London in 2013 and set up a business called Web Roots Democracy, which is basically leading a campaign for online voting and has been working with politicians, charities, think tanks and technology companies on researching the benefits and the challenges of a digital democracy. So in this episode, we talk about, you know, the pushbacks, um, why people aren't so keen, the security, privacy and hacking issues and, and how we overcome that and, and actually whether or not that is actually kind of genuine worries and, you know, the argument that it is safe and it is something worth doing. Erik talks about research that says online voting would make more people more likely to vote. Um, There's lots of interesting research that he talks about in this episode. We talk about the people who would benefit the most from online voting, and that's people with disabilities, because for a lot of people it's not a case of can't be bothered, it's a case of can't physically get there. Convenience is hardwired into our culture, and so why do we pretend that it's not a big deal? Convenience is a huge deal, and it's not a shallow thing to say that our phones do make things more convenient. So, I talked to Arik um, all about this about the campaign he's launched, about what he thinks the future holds, why he's so passionate about the idea of being able to vote online. And in general, I just pick his brain, ask him the silly questions that I would have asked him if it was a dinner party and um we just have a chat a good old chat about it so i hope you enjoyed this episode i hope that maybe you know if you do think that online voting is a good idea you might get in touch with me and we can work together on making it happen um alongside a so thanks again for tuning in to this podcast and here it is I'm with Arik Chowdhury. Um, We're in your co-working space. I basically got introduced to you by Mike Sarney, our mutual friend, because I keep thinking about how mad it is that we can't vote online. And I've been at so many dinner parties recently where people say that young people don't vote. And I wanted to talk to someone who is an actual expert in this, because I'm definitely not, about web democracy and also online voting. So anyway, we'll get to that. But Thank you for coming on the podcast. That's right. And w- do you mind telling me a bit about what got you into politics at the beginning? Because you were 21 when you set yeah. up Web Roots yeah, Democracy. democracy yeah. So, yeah, go from um, the beginning if you can.
1: It's kind of started as part of my dissertation in Birmingham in uh, 2013 where I looked at setting so a political science dissertation and I looked at the uh, role of the internet in young in participation amongst young people and a small part of that looks at um the potential of online voting in elections so i finished that and then i went to move down to london and worked in a few places i worked in civil service and got bored and in my spare time i like you i had a very similar feeling why is no one really doing anything about this um mm. wouldn't it be great why you know, shouldn't we do some research into it Um so in my spare time i set up this organization in a bit of a mad moment and uh started exploring online voting doing doing a bit of research um and then about just over two years ago or maybe just under two years ago and began working on it full-time um and as an organization we we look primarily at online voting but we start starting to look at other areas of digital democracy as well and other than me we run by volunteers
0: mm. and did you at the time notice anyone else doing anything in the space or i mean did it just feel like a bit of a kind of open free-for-all let's do it
1: i was surprised that no one else is really campaigning for it i mean Mm. in terms of actual activity there's been like countries that already experiment with online voting the uk itself did do pilots in 2003 and 2007 but no one's really campaigning for it Mm. at least not i know of in the past few years
0: I don't know if you'll agree with this, but I sometimes feel like it's a bit of a taboo subject in a weird way because I'm really, really up for it. And I find it very strange that we're in a time where we're tweeting our political beliefs, left, right and centre. We are hashtagging, you know, movements. And yet there's just no correlation between the actual voting. Mm. Um, I mean, do you do you find it like really baffling? I don't I don't think it's that controversial.
1: Yeah, I mean, this is the argument. This is what got me interested in it. As well at the beginning, um, I guess the problem with this debate is that it's often dominated by people um, within tech, I suppose, or, or people who can speak more convincingly about uh, the tech side of the mm. argument, um, but it doesn't necessarily represent the, the view in the computer science field because there are lots of actu- there are actually lots of computer scientists who support uh, the introduction of online voting and support pilots. Um, but a lot of the vocal voices have often been those that have that have highlighted the the risks around hacking and mm. kind of supported the status quo which is a, which is actually a much easier argument to mm. support i mean kind of with with any kind of democratic reform it's always easier to just retreat into what you already know rather than experiment with something a bit new
0: That's so true I mean what would you say the main pushbacks or and questions you get are because i actually put on my instagram this morning that i was going to interview you okay. and um asked you know would you online vote and all of the responses bar a few were oh my god yes this mm. sounds amazing but some of the pushbacks were they fell into like three categories security that one which, yeah. which i just think well we are, we bank online we do everything online the second one was um privacy around yeah hacking people n- not wanting other people to know what they're voting for and the third one was um collectivism and like this idea that actually if we get clicks then we'll change people we'll skew people's yeah. political views
1: yeah so all of our all of our research has shown and, and other studies have shown that the majority of the public in the uk support the introduction of online voting, and um, that if it was introduced, it'd be the most popular method of voting for everyone under the age of fifty-five, wow. um, and that it would make people more likely to vote. So those are the three three key like um, findings in terms of public opinion. Yeah. Uh, all of those pushback reasons are the kind of you know the reasons that are, are highlighted often in this debate. The security one, um, the banking the banking analogy is is good. The, the difference with it is. With banking, if you do if you do get hacked and you do lose money, you'll always get that money back. That money will be refunded to you Mm. by the bank. Um, But with voting, the worry is what happens if you know the votes are changed and you don't know about it till after a new government is put in place. That's that's what a lot of the worry is. Pretty high there. Doesn't mean it can't be done. I mean, we've been looking at we've been doing some research at the moment to create a certification framework for how online voting platforms could work. And we've had people like the Cabinet Office feeding in, wow. GCHQ, lots, lots of computer scientists. There's, there is activity being done. The key thing to do with online voting is to address that issue of trust because it, it does seem a lot higher... The, the bar is a lot higher when it comes to the internet than it is mm-hmm. with uh, paper voting. I mean, yeah. e- if you ask people, not a single person or very few people will be able to tell you for sure that, that any vote that they've cast in any election has been counted and counted in the correct way uh-huh. because there's no method of verifying that and um, while well, there is but it's a very long-winded way you have to go through courts and things like that so what we've tried to focus on is how can we provide transparency to that system so mm-hmm. that people can verify their own votes and ensure and that everyone can can be sure that the vote that is announced is, is the correct one
0: yeah wow that's so interesting and do you see any divide generationally between any of your research like i i know there's i know this is so stereotypical but i do hear that sort of like millennials won't get out of bed yeah, to vote yeah. um and yeah they'll do it from their phones but they should get out and do it yeah. um yeah what do you do you get any of that
1: yeah so my my initial like um i guess motivation was around young people you know because as you know youth turnout is is historically quite low since 1997 it's like 40-50% compared to uh, 70 80 for older generations. Mm. Um, the, the opinion polls show that, yes, it's popular amongst young people, but also it's it's very popular amongst like um, 40 years old and younger mm. people who are working full-time and perhaps actually have less time to, to spend going out to the polling station or, or filling out a postal vote. Mm. Um, But what we've learned over the past few years is that the main beneficiaries would actually be voters with disabilities and and voters who are uh, overseas. Mm. So if you're a a blind voter, the way you vote at the moment is you get given this tactile Braille template to place over your ballot paper. um, And then you vote in that that way. But the problem with that is that only 1% of vision impaired adults in the UK actually read Braille anymore. It's become so outdated wow. and, and overtaken wow. by technology that it's it's not even used. Um, so for a whole section of of the population, they can't actually vote independently and in secret unless mm-hmm. they learn to read braille. Um, voters with other disabilities, if you have a bedbound disability, um, you struggle to move or, or leave the house. Um, again, you have to rely on others to cast your vote on your behalf, and mm-hmm. you have to trust others. And you don't get it's a human right as well to cast an independent ballot. Um, so that's one, one area we've been looking at. And, yeah, and there are there's also some people with disabilities who can't hold a pen but can use an iPad. Um, so there are whole sections of society who it's not really a case of can't be bothered. It's it's the fact that they can't physically do it.
0: Yeah, God, that is so, so true. And and we are living in a time where we can literally do anything on our phone. So surely that's just changing our lifestyles more and more to the point where it's gonna it is going to be more and more alien to... Mm-hmm have to do it on paper yeah
1: i mean the next if you look at the next scheduled general election 2022 this will be the first uh, election where you're having voters first time voters born in this millennium and uh, in the 2000s and right. they w- therefore won't remember a world right. before facebook smartphones and social media <laughs> and I, w- I would i would put money on like the vast majority of them never having posted a letter in their lives yeah and um, so you are going to see a very alien system that's just going to. That's just going to uh, get worse as time goes on, yeah. but we shouldn't overlook the convenience side of it so people who do criticize it as a as an option for people just who are just being lazy the convenience is like hardwired into our current system mm-hmm. so people should ask themselves you know why aren't polling stations on the ninth floor of a tower block and um, why are there so many in your local areas because we we already understand that convenience is matters, critical to it really matters, of yeah.
0: course one of the theories that a few people think about, about the fact that it doesn't exist yet is because, like, basically the government or whoever don't want us to because mm. they know the floodgates will open. Do you think that's true?
1: <laughs> I do think there's an element of truth in that. I mean, like with any other voter reform, uh, proportional representation, votes at 16, it doesn't really benefit the main parties in power if, if the current system is already working in their favour. Mm. So what one, of th- one thing we've done to try and address that is try and focus on areas that we think political parties will be most interested in. So, for example obviously with the labour party they're very interested in young people and disabled voters Uh, with the conservative party we focus more on military voters and overseas voters You might might be more more likely to vote for the conservatives um so i think that's having some traction in the uk actually devolved governments so scotland and wales have both recently committed to piloting online voting which is really interesting yeah and quite a recent development um but every major party this is where the hypocrisy is every major party in the uk already uses online voting for their own internal elections so the labour party used it for their own elections and um, in the labour leadership election in 2016 90 uh, percent voted online rather than by paper which is a crazy statistic when <laughs> you when you when you compare it to any other yeah any other type of service and the, the conservative party used it to elect zach goldsmith as their london mayor candidate and before andrew ledson dropped out of the leadership race uh were, we almost voted for a prime minister using online voting mm. which is again yeah kind of highlights a bit of the hypocrisy i feel in, in not introducing it for the wider public
0: so you've seen a lot of change then even since you started this you, yeah, it, I mean, does that feel yeah. good that that, that you it's, do see some sort of progress
1: yeah i don't know what my expectations were to be honest i kind of Set myself a target of five to ten years, and then I'll just give up and, and let someone, someone else, else can yeah. try. <laughs> but um I think actually, within that time, the fact that Scotland and Wales are piloting it, and we've we fed into a lot of their consultations, and a lot of the language they use is actually similar to what the, st- mm-hmm. the stuff we've been putting out. I'd say that's quite big progress if they do follow through with it. And the fact that the Cabinet Office are still engaging in projects, even though they've not committed to anything, is big progress. And around the world more generally, obviously I can't take rid of any of this, but around the world more generally, you're seeing more and more countries uh, adopting online voting. Yeah. Um, so already since 2005, Estonia has been doing it in their national elections. Um, parts of Australia have online voting as an option. And Do you think
0: that will hurry things along in the way of like, you know, the UK and their ego mm. like who wants to be behind something when you think you are a country that is like forward thinking yeah absolutely or, you know in absolutely.
1: that way um, we shouldn't be really I mean, no offense to estonia but we shouldn't be waiting for <laughs> smaller countries to do it first before we try it west virginia in america has just just tried it for their midterm elections a mm-hmm. blockchain based voting system uh, the uk i think will probably fall behind if they don't do something a lot sooner I mean, even seeing Sierra Leone doing uh, experiments with with online voting. Mm. Um,
0: There's a lot of scaremongering, isn't there, still around the internet and, I mean, hacking mm. and things being skewed and, like, elections and bots and all mm. that stuff. Do you just think that we will we'll get better at putting structures in place? People are going to know more about technology, so they're not going to be as scared by it.
1: Yeah. I mean, it's hard, to see, it's hard to see the truth in all of the narrative around it, so... Obviously, there are risks to uh, governments and democracies because of technology. But is there any evidence so far that Russia hacked the US presidential election? Not really. Um, But, you know, the the sort of common thinking in this field is that, yes, people are successfully hacking these things. I don't think that's true, but I do think it is a risk. So -hmm. that is something that we should bear in mind. But we Mm -hmm. should also apply context with our current system. So, if you look at our current system, a postal ballot, a baby could hack into a postal ballot. Or they could just rip it open and <laughs> <laughs> and uh, you know scribble all over it. Um, is is it that difficult? If you really wanted to uh, steal some votes, you could probably try and I don't know target the Royal Mail uh, van or something and steal a, a whole bag of postal votes. These things have actually happened before. Um, in Tower Hamlets, for example, they um, use postal voting to create loads of fraudulent votes which actually did swing the election and then they only discovered a few years later Um, the difficulty with online voting is the scale so people's worry is um, that it will be easier to do to hack like millions of votes at once without people noticing it but in reality would people actually not can we we create systems where we notice millions of votes changing I think we probably could especially if we do try and make it a very transparent system where people can verify their own votes also, the other thing is you're seeing more and more giant corporations adopting online voting systems now for their shareholder votes. And the interesting thing about that is that it's very comparable in terms of stake and um, process to elections because shareholder votes often have to be anonymous and the kind of stakes are millions of pounds uh, You know, in investment and things that, are, that could be affected by those kind of votes. Mm. So you're already seeing... You know, you're already seeing political parties using it. You're seeing private companies using it. You're seeing countries around the world using it. You know Australia, a comparable country to us, Estonia, uh, less so. The Australian example is actually quite interesting because they they don't have this issue around turnout because they have compulsory voting anyway. Oh really? The I reason they that. introduced it is because a blind voter took the government to court on the same argument that we were talking about earlier, saying that their human rights are being denied and we don't have this secret ballot, and that's why they introduced it. But you know, you're seeing America also doing this. Um, I think people who say it's impossible are probably uh, bending the truth slightly. I would say,
0: yeah, Oh, it's going to happen, isn't it? Yeah. it and, and what will you do when it when it does? <laughs> well, you. The thing is, with your I mean, web roots, yeah. it is about it's about other things, isn't it? Yeah. So, know, yeah, what does the company do apart from online so voting? Yeah.
1: So we're doing starting to branch out a little bit into the role of social media in democracy. So we're looking at um, methods of regulating platforms around political issues so we recently published a report last week about um, online abuse and political debate it's obviously a problem that's been uh, prevalent for a number of years no one's really thought of any any solutions towards it so we've put out like 11 quite radical recommendations about how we can tackle this everything from like extending antisocial behaviour orders to cover online behaviour to uh, levying a new tax on social media platforms to fund anti-discrimination campaigns um so we're trying to focus on still that intersectional technology yeah. and democracy
0: amazing so much constantly going on yeah for sure um and have you always been into politics is do you have anyone like in your family who've influenced you or yeah, I, I don't have
1: anyone in my family that's really uh <laughs> that's really into politics yeah. although my my granddad was like the chairman of this village in bangladesh way back when <laughs> but i don't think that was very political to be honest um
0: because I, I know so many people that are into politics and like and, and most of the time it stems from like their parents were political. I, obviously, it's not the case for everyone, but it's just interesting, like whether it does come from a sense of like we, you know, we are political in this household. Yeah. Um, definitely not for me. Yeah. Like I've just started to be honest. This is why our friend Mike Zani who you should go and check out um, if you're listening, um, got re- me really into this because I was quite late. Yeah. I don't think I voted in the first election that I could. Yeah. And, it, yeah, I, I just it's all I can think about now.
1: <laughs> yeah. I mean, um, yeah, my, my household is a political, but the reason I got interested in politics, so I took A-level politics at school. Um, but what got me interested in was the financial crash, because suddenly that was was all over the news, it was affecting everyone. Um, so I got interested in both economics and politics, which is what I studied at uni. Um, that's what really got me interested, though. But in terms of actually voting... Um, i didn't vote in the the first vote i could vote in was the AV referendum which although i talked about it loads <laughs> at the time with people having debates i didn't actually vote on the day because i didn't know if i was <gasps> registered at uni which is crazy right yeah. um, which is another which i, is I mean i bet is really that is absolutely true
0: of um like the the brexit stuff is mm. the amount of people that were having like detailed debates constantly and then on the actual day probably didn't vote yeah it's mad
1: yeah that's why Mike's work is really good on, on voter registration, um, especially at uni. I don't think people really realise that yeah, yeah. they can vote when they're at university. Yeah. No, it's um, yeah, lots of lots of studies are showing this. I mean, the Electoral Commission did a study this year, I think maybe last year, um, looking at non-voters and the reasons why they didn't vote. I can't remember what the proportion was. Maybe forty percent didn't vote because they didn't have time uh, on the day, right? Mm-hmm. And if you look at the actual referendum day, the EU referendum. Um, I don't know if you remember, but there was there was flooding on that day, and some polling stations had to got closed. Oh, yeah, a lot of trains were delayed, and a lot of people. There's no there's no statistics on this, but anecdotally, on Twitter and things, a lot of people complained that they they weren't able to make it mm. to their polling station on time. I wonder how much, of <laughs> I wonder how many people that's affected, and you know, it's not always just about people being lazy. And you know, like I mentioned, convenience is hardwired in anyway. But lots of people, for lots of reasons don't get time on the, on the election day to actually yeah. vote and this is life is, something that h- life is
0: be busy yeah. and hard and annoying isn't it mm. um and with your company obviously it's grown a lot um over the years and you did start it when you were 21 which um, i know i'm sorry i've already said this like it is young is young to start something so um interesting and and something that's growing so quickly what have you learned since you started it
1: uh, what have i learned um guess i felt like maybe i was a bit naive at the beginning thinking that it would change a lot quickly but maybe not um learned a lot about how to campaign effectively so i think for something like this a lot of it is about influencing individual politicians and stuff rather than trying to do like a mass campaign because we did try to do that we we, we did a petition that did all right i mean you got 1500 signatures but nothing that's going to change anything um because it's not really one of those issues that it's not something that really pulls up people's heartstrings or something it's, it's it's something that people want but it's not something that maybe people are so interested in that they would they would like fight for it. Um, That's
0: interesting isn't it because yeah. it is such a big thing that would genuinely yeah. make lives easier but yeah there's not this like urgency around yeah, it yeah. um but I also think it's one of those things where someone is like assuming someone's doing it, like yeah. oh, someone's working on that, yeah, and yeah. you're that person. <laughs> yeah.
1: We've learned a lot actually about the the tech behind it and all of the processes and the security challenges, which is interesting because I didn't come from that kind of background. I didn't have a clue, to be honest, when I started about how any of the tech would work or what. I mean, I had some idea about the challenges, but not not an in depth uh, understanding of it. Whereas now, you know, now I'm able to like challenge some of the experts in the field in computer science about their own assumptions and proving Mm. them wrong on different things and we've published our own research on this which is cited in lots of different academic papers and our our current project on this at the moment the certification one I mentioned Mm. it's quite a big project in terms of the kind of people who are feeding in I think at the beginning people probably didn't take us that seriously again because it's a bunch of young people they don't really know what they're talking about whereas now I think people do take it a bit more seriously and they are willing to feed into it and Advice and share their own thoughts and opinions on it mm-hmm. and you're having you know, governments asking for advice academics asking for advice so i think it's, it's developed quite a lot in that extent especially that not coming from a tech background yeah. to then understand the tech quite well that's, that's, that's quite
0: really something. um that's really cool to know that you can learn well you can learn anything obviously yeah. but to know that tech shouldn't be this sort of overwhelmingly scary thing. I mean,
1: tech is just processes when you think about it really it's not actually anything super difficult it's just here's a bunch of processes here's a bunch of things you can do to stop something from happening or or start something from happening Mm. that's essentially what it is um so once you get your head around that it is definitely possible to learn about it or at least learn about it to the extent where you understand the main issues
0: Um, do you think most people should Try to learn more about tech, just in general, to feel a bit more in control or a bit more empowered in their daily life. Because I think it can be scary sometimes when you are faced with some sort of technological breakdown, Mm. and you have to go and call someone to help you. And obviously, you don't have to be an expert, but just knowing a little bit about it can make you feel a bit better.
1: Yeah, I mean, I definitely think everyone should should know how to use a computer and how to use a smartphone. I'm always encouraging my parents to just always asking me to do stuff like can you do this I'm like no figure <laughs> it out yourself this is so important it's only going to go one direction which is more and more tech right if you can't figure out selling a text you're going to be so screwed in 10 years um, but also more generally I think people should learn about how to use the internet safely because I think that's quite a big problem yeah I think people realize that what they post on the internet is basically permanent even if you delete it yeah there's always records of it
0: yeah because people always say oh you know these people these influencers or famous YouTubers Mm. or people with loads of followers, they really shouldn't post where they are all the time, which Mm. I get. But I also think that goes for everyone. Yeah, Even if you have two followers. The point is it's public and therefore and someone could find you.
1: Yeah, and you know, people are posting people talk to each other on the internet in a way that's completely unacceptable, um, that they would never do in real life. Um those sorts of things people perhaps should be more wise when it comes to their passwords and you know what kind of private information they're sharing on the internet. You know, who has their data, what are companies actually doing with uh, you know, the information that you're giving them. I think they, all of those things will be quite important so that people can actually feel more confident using the internet or end up in a situation where they don't they don't get screwed by some major hack or or someone stealing all of their information.
0: Yeah, yeah. God, I feel like as I approach my thirties <laughs> I know I'm sounding like I'm <laughs> turning into an old woman but i even i feel like i used to know more and i'm getting slower to learning things and like keeping on top of it can be quite hard yeah for sure even when i'm clicking something like babies using ipads oh god yeah they're gonna be suing their parents soon uh, for sharing pictures of them on instagram (laughs) um but i'm gonna finish with a really annoying question that you probably get asked all the time but what year do you think that we will online vote
1: Definitely not the next general election. So, in terms of UK general elections, I'll ambitiously say 2027. Ambitiously, very ambitiously. Mm. Scotland uh, and Wales, you might be might be a bit more lucky. Maybe mm. the next five years, you might might see some pilots going on. Yeah. But we're looking at at least like ten years in the UK, which is which sounds like a long time. But if you compare it to any other electoral form, it isn't that bad? I mean, the campaign for proportional representation started in 19 like maybe like late 1800s, and we still haven't got that yet so yeah. 10 years isn't that bad
0: no 10 years is is not that long god it whiz, whiz past <laughs> also i keep saying 2020 like it's this robot futuristic yeah that used to be and the and i'm like two years away yeah. <laughs> um well thank you so much for right. talking to me and letting me gate crash your day um and where can people find out more and where can people take action if they want to join
1: in yeah so you can visit our website uh webrootsdemocracy.org and there's a page there about getting involved and there's loads of loads of information about our research and current projects we do lots of different events about democracy and social media and uh, with every report we do we do a lot of events as well
0: cool and even though you're based in London um, do you find that obviously the people you're talking to it's it's global or is it UK mainly UK but all over
1: Yeah, I mean a lot of it is is London based to be honest I guess it's probably just because I'm here we do talk to a lot of people in different countries a lot of people who are interested in this field reach out to us um, i guess outside of london scotland and wales is where a lot of our focus is at the moment especially scotland because they seem to be much further ahead
0: cool well (laughs) thank you very much and um yeah i'm hoping that people listening might get behind it thank you very much
1: thank you